So question to start with this morning. Have you ever noticed how good you are at praying when you're desperate? You know what I mean? If you, if you really need something to happen, and it could be something small, it could be something big, but if you're in a situation where you're like, I really need God to come through for me right now, I need, and it, again, very small, like, got to pass the test or get there on time. May all the lights be green, Lord. Right? Help me get there, and then help me have no problems finding a parking spot. When you are desperate, you are kind of like your best self when it comes to prayer, I think. Right? At least a particular kind of prayer where we're asking for help from God. Or, of course, we can think of difficult moments in our life where we were in a situation where there was nothing we could do but pray. And we pray in those moments better than we pray in our regular life often. There's a book by Albert Moeller, who's a theologian and university president, and he, he wrote a book called The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down, all about the Lord's Prayer. And in that book, he describes this way, the way desperation and prayer works together, and he starts by referencing another author named Gary Miller. He says this, Gary Miller, who has written some enormously helpful resources on prayer, goes so far as to argue that the evangelical church is slowly but surely giving up on prayer. So he's saying Bible-believing Christians are slowly but surely giving up on prayer. The statement is shocking, but the truth of his assessment is even more shocking. Why are Christians giving up on prayer? Miller suggests that life is easy for most Christians, perhaps too easy. Some of us lack the desperation that most Christians have experienced throughout church history, Desperation leads to prayer. We are also incredibly distracted and busy. Both are enemies of prayer. But in spite of that, in spite of these two major obstacles to being people of prayer, um, prayer is needed. We need to pray. We, we, we must pray. We are driven. We are called to pray. And I think when Albert Moeller penned those words or probably typed them more likely, I don't think it was 2020 when he wrote that that we're all very comfortable and perhaps life is too easy. There, there's like a new level of intensity and maybe even desperation, I think, that we can all identify with this year. 2020 has been a wild one. And I think it's important when we encounter seasons like the one we are in that we do what our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout history have always done when seasons were difficult, when times were tough, and that is they went to the Lord in prayer and they said, God, help us with this situation. And we see that God does some of his best work in some unsettled times. That it, in, in seasons of um, difficulty, often revival breaks out because people are desperate. They're aware of this need that's maybe not always on the surface in their normal everyday life, but then they get to these seasons where, man, I'm feeling desperate. I really need God to come through for me. I really need help. And then we seek God like never before, and then God moves like never before and helps us. Now, just to be real honest here at the very beginning, or to be clear about this, I think many of you, there, there's a number of you in the room, I, I'm predicting, are feeling guilty right now because we're talking about prayer. You're like, ah, I know I need to pray more. I'm feeling guilty, like, you're right, pastor, like, I really need to pray more. And, and that's, that's your overriding, like, yeah, he's saying prayer is important and we should do it, and I'm not doing it enough. And I, I want to 
as much as I can, rid you of that feeling of guilt. Like, don't, don't let that be your motivation to pray. Don't let guilt be the thing that drives you to prayer. Like, how would you feel if, you know, for those of you that are parents, you're like, your kid was saying, like, they felt guilty for not talking to you more, and so they just kind of walk over head down, like, I'm not talking to you enough, and so, you know, here I am, dad or mom, I'm here to talk to you. Like, that's not a very encouraging way to be approached, I don't think, by anybody. We, we come to God as our, as our Heavenly Father, and we want to be driven to prayer by a desire to see good things happen, by a desire to seek God and to have relationship with Him. We don't, I don't really want guilt to factor into that. We want to pursue God in our prayers because He is good and because we are His children, because we get to pray, we want to pray. And so for the next six weeks, we are calling the church, I'm calling all of you to pray. And we're going to be talking about prayer in general over the next six weeks, but we're going to do that specifically by looking at one prayer recorded for us in Scripture, which is the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer shows up two different times, once in the Gospel of Luke, and then the, the one that we know a little bit better, the format of the Lord's Prayer that we know a little bit better is in Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to look at Luke 11.1 1 briefly, and then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 and study the Lord's Prayer there. There are two times the prayer is given with slight variations. The one given in Luke is very similar to the one in Matthew 6, and you can kind of compare and contrast there. It's basically all the, the main pieces are there, but its wording is slightly different. And it's given on different occasions. Jesus is talking to his disciples in the Gospel of Luke, and we'll see what kind of leads up to this conversation where he gives them the Lord's Prayer. But let's first read a Luke 11.1. 1. We'll look at a couple things there, then we'll move on to Matthew 6 and spend more time in Matthew 6. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So the disciples see Jesus praying, and we're, we are told in the Gospels that there's something about Jesus that really stood out, and one of the things, of course many things, but one of them was his prayer life. That Jesus was someone who put a significant amount of time and energy and effort into praying. And that that was something that really defined him, really described him. And the, and the disciples certainly noticed that. They recorded it in the gospel accounts about Jesus' life. That he would often go off by himself into a wilderness place and pray. And there, were, there was at least one time in scripture recorded that he spent the entire night in prayer. So his disciples see Jesus Prayer being a, a distinct thing about him, and they say, we, we want you to teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. It's encouraging to me that the disciples felt like they needed to be taught to pray. Because I think everybody, no matter how long you have been someone who prays, or whether you're just coming to prayer as a new thing for you, we all come as students of prayer. We are all learners. We are all recognizing that we don't know it all about prayer. I don't think there are such things as prayer experts. You know, I think we're all students when it comes to prayer. The disciples say, we need to learn how to pray. Jesus, we see what place prayer has in your life. Please teach us what you know about prayer. But in addition, they're asking for more than just a lesson on prayer. They say, we're, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. In other words, we want like our prayer. What is a prayer that sort of defines us? And the Jewish people 
you know, had prayers like this that were a part of the prayers that they would pray every day. There was one prayer, the Shema, that they would pray every day. And this prayer, they, they want a similar kind of idea. In other words, the prayer becomes sort of a creed. It sort of becomes a statement of faith. It's more than just give us a lesson on prayer. It's like, here is your prayer. This prayer is your prayer. This is a prayer that you can pray as my disciples. Now, the first time any of these disciples would have heard the Lord's Prayer was in a sermon that Jesus gave that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, and that's in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have yeah, Bible's devices, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. This is part of Jesus' sermon where he is talking about what he is all about. This is his mission. This is his kingdom. This is what it means to be his disciple. And he lays it all out there in this Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So right here in the middle, Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Several things I want to point out about this prayer. One is just the expectation of prayer. That Jesus speaking to the crowd, he says, when you pray. In other words, there's going to be times that you're going to pray. In other words, prayer will be a part of your life for followers of Christ. If you're a part of his kingdom, prayer is an expectation of being, of relating to God and having a relationship with God is that we would be people of prayer. But he also goes on to tell us some things that prayer is not. Before he says, here's what prayer is and here's how you can approach me as a part of my family, he says, you need to understand what prayer isn't before you understand what prayer is. And he mentions several things. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is not a performance. He said, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. So there's a group of people during Jesus' day and there's a temptation for us now that we just look at prayer as sort of a performance, like public speaking, if you're with a group of people. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is connecting with our Creator, speaking to God. And it's not to be done in a performative kind of way. And he said there's these hypocrites, these people that would love to stand out in the street corners and pray these big prayers so that other people might see them. And they would just happen to be in a very public place when the time of prayer came upon them. And it was like, Oh, time to pray, and it's a big performance. And he says, for them, they've received their reward. What they were looking for was everyone's attention. They wanted everyone to think how spiritual they were. Mission accomplished, check, that's all they get. Right, no spiritual benefit. You're not going to get what you're actually looking for in prayer, which is help from God and connection with God. What you get if you look at prayer as a performance is you just get to perform, and people get to think what they're going to think about you, and then that's it. No, prayer is not a performance. Prayer is also not a um, reciting of a magical formula. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think they will be heard for their many words. What a visual, what a, what a metaphor. Heap up empty phrases. I just imagine a pile of words, you know, just of like, here's another word and here's another word. And he says these words are just a big old pile of empty phrases that it is easy to look at prayer as sort of a magical formula. I'm saying the magic words. God help me. I'm saying it's the magic words. I'm saying that, you know, open sesame or whatever, like whatever the prayer version of that is, right? That it's just, a, it's sort of an incantation that we perform and there's no value in it and no emptiness in it or there's no, no, no substance to it. It's all full of emptiness. Full of emptiness. I don't know about that. It's empty of meaning. And it's very ironic that Jesus goes on to give the Lord's Prayer after saying that. Don't heap up empty phrases because the Lord's Prayer is used, it's probably the most often said words in the world. This is a part of weekly worship for many, many Christians is to say the Lord's Prayer and even daily prayer. And it is easy to make the words empty. And we need to be people, when we, when we say these kind of words, we have to fill them with meaning. We have to actually mean them when we, when we pray words like these. He goes on to say as well that prayer is not informing God of something he doesn't know. When you pray, you're not filling God in on the details he didn't know about. Right? God, I, you know, this, I don't know if you know about this, but there's some stuff happening in my life I need your help with. Like, that is not what prayer is. Prayer, God's all up to date on all the stuff happening with you. God wants you to talk to him about the details in your life, but not to inform him. It's to get perspective on, on, on your own heart and life and to understand kind of where you are at and to, to, to understand the reality and to ask for help, yes, but it's, he knows what you're going through. When you talk to him about the details of your life, it's not to fill him in. He knows about him already. God knows everything. There's nothing hidden before God. But then he goes on to give the Lord's Prayer. These, these words that are prayed, they're recited by, by many people around the world. And I don't know about your spiritual background, everybody in this room, I know a lot of your background, but some people come from a tradition where this is called the Our Father, the prayer that's given. And it maybe was an empty thing. It maybe was just kind of a pile of empty words that were repeated without meaning. And my hope for us is that as we look at the Lord's Prayer over these next six weeks, that the, we would just um, understand the depth of meaning to these words. They are full of meaning. And we need to pray them as if they are full of meaning because they are. Pete Gregg, who put together the prayer course that we offered here earlier this year, um, early in the year we had the prayer course and then we had, to, we had to stop it before it was quite done because of COVID-19 and all the shutdowns and everything that were happening. But Pete Gregg in this class on prayer, he talks about the Lord's Prayer being two things, one of two things. It can be a model and a map. It can be a model because it's a complete prayer. It, it, it like covers all the things that prayer is supposed to cover. If you think about the prayer here, that's this idea of worship, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're praying for God's work to be done on this earth. And then we pray for our needs. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Or there's ways that we've sinned and we, we want cleansing and healing from that. And Help us to also forgive the people around us and then lead us not into temptation. It covers the full range of things that we should be praying about. So it's a, it's a great model for prayer. You can use the actual words in your prayer and pray it, and it's a helpful model. And lately, one of the big changes in my spiritual life has been praying prayers that other people wrote. 
And I've got a devotional book that I, that I go through, and it always finishes with a prayer, and I try to pray that prayer. Um, I used to think that was weird. I used to think it was strange to pray other people's prayers. I'm like, that's someone else's prayer. I should compose my own prayers every time. Right? I need to pray my own. I, I, my prayer, every prayer I pray needs to be one that I made up on the spot, you know? And I've since realized that there's wisdom to praying pre-written prayers, right? My own prayers sometimes aren't so great. The ones I come up with on the spot. I sometimes only talk about what I need God's help with. And I sometimes don't worship God like I should in prayer or thank Him like I should in prayer. And I've been using for the last couple of years a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers. I've shared some of them during the services. And I try to implement some of these pre-written prayers in my own devotional life. And it's been super helpful for the reason I mentioned. It's a complete prayer. It helps me cover things in prayer that I wouldn't normally pray. And so as long as I'm praying that prayer, using my own meaning and, and I mean, putting my own thought and, and, and intention and meaning behind it, it's very, very helpful. And so the Lord's Prayer is a great model. It is a prayer that we can pray. It's also helpful as a map. You can use it as a guide for yourself. And an example of what this might be like is that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you'd say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then you would launch from there into praying about all the stuff that that makes you think of. You spend some time praising God. Oh, God, you are, you are my Father, and I'm so grateful that I can talk to you as my Father. I want your name to be hallowed. I want people all over the world to worship you. I want people to know you and to raise up your name high. And your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, right now, your will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. There's so much brokenness in this world, but we want your kingdom to rule and reign here. There's people that need your help, and God, would your kingdom come and your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. There's things I need today, Lord. There's people I know that are hurting. There's needs that I'm aware of, and you bring that list before God at that point. And you use that as a guide. And then, Lord, help me with the ways that I've, of my life where I've failed you or I've let you down and help me to walk with you and help me to live for you. There was a collection of early Christian teaching. It was a discipleship manual for people who were coming out of the really, really pagan Greek culture. See, the early church was largely made up of Jewish Christians. You know, they had the background of the Old Testament sacrifices and kind of all this whole way of thinking about God. But then the, the, the church began to spread rapidly, and there was all these people coming with no context of who this, you know, the J Jewish understanding of who Jesus was. And so there was a manual put together, a book written called the Didache. And that's a Greek word that means something. I don't know what it means, but it was an early collection of teaching for followers of Christ who were coming from the pagan culture. And in the Didache... It told them to pray three times per day the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer three times per day. Like actually just pray it. The, the, the words make, you know, speak that prayer out three times per day. And it's something that Christians have done for all of church history. They've used these exact words as a model or as a map. I want to back up a little bit and think about a question that some people are asking in our culture today about prayer. And that is this, does prayer work? Does prayer accomplish things? I, I'm getting a lot of affirmative you know, responses here in, in the service, and the same was true in first service. But this is a question people are asking. Oftentimes on social media, after some horrible tragedy happens, there will be people that say about, they're praying. They want to pray about whatever this tragedy 
is. And there's sort of become a trend online where people get really mad at the people who are offering their prayers. And the idea is that, hey, if you really want to help, you do something more than prayer because prayer is just whatever. You're throwing words out. They don't, you know, they don't believe in the concept of prayer maybe. But if you want to help, you'll make a donation or you will you know, write a letter to somebody or you'll do something political or, or whatever to make a difference. Your prayers and thoughts don't really accomplish anything, so keep those to yourself. That's, that's sort of the feeling on the internet amongst some right now where there's a real question being asked about does prayer help? I think those of you that answered yes, prayer helps, prayer works, prayer makes a difference is that we've seen that. We can point to examples of ways that prayer has worked and the impact that prayer has had in people's lives. We know, I know that prayer works. I know that prayer makes a difference. William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury back during World War II uh, era England, he says this, when I pray, or we said this, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. So you, you might want to call them coincidences, that's fine. But when I pray, it seems like I'm a little more likely to see those coincidences. And so I'm willing to commit to that. And I think about our church when it comes to prayer. And there's one really notable story that I think of over the last six months. You know, right in the early days of the pandemic when all the shutdowns were happening and we were in the early days of the first wave of COVID-19 infections in Spokane. We got word of a family member of the Wisners that had passed away from COVID-19, and then his wife was hospitalized with COVID-19, and it wasn't looking good. She was on a ventilator. She was very ill. Organs were not functioning as they should, and there was just everyone was very concerned. So my wife, Pam, um, did a call to prayer for the church and organized it all online and through Facebook, Facebook Messenger. And we said, we're going to, she said, we're going to take hour-long shifts through the night tonight. It's critical that we all come together and pray for, her name's Grandma Cookie, her nickname, Grandma Cookie. That's what they all call her in the family. We need to pray for Grandma Cookie and, and lift her up before God. She is not doing well. They're concerned. They've already lost one family member. Let's bring her before the throne of God and let's pray for her. And so through the night... People took an hour-long shift. Some, some of you in the room did that. And we prayed for Grandma Cookie. And through the night, God worked miraculously and began to restore the function of her organs. And the next day, the, the healthcare workers came in. They were like, what is going on here? They were surprised at how much progress she'd made and how much better she was doing. And then later the day, she awoke from her sedation enough to pull out her own vent tube, which is, is a whole thing. I don't know how to feel about that. It's cool, but like, whoa. Um, and was talking later that day and was home within the week. And we saw, like, we came together and we prayed and God worked. And it was so encouraging and so amazing. And they were so thankful. The family knew we were doing that, doing a prayer vigil through the night for her. And what a wonderful, wonderful answer to prayer. Does prayer work? Yeah, prayer works. Prayer, prayer is powerful. The Apostle Paul was talking to the church at Corinth, and he asked them to help out. He said, I, I'm going through all these difficulties and trials, and I'm working hard on your behalf, and I'm out here facing difficulty, and God will, will carry me through this difficult season as I'm out here spreading the gospel and facing trials on that behalf. But he said, there's something you can do too. And I want to look at 2 Corinthians 1.11 for that verse. He says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf 
for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You must help by praying. Please help. We can make a difference in a lot of situations by praying. C.S. Lewis wrote a, an essay on prayer and basically talking about that question, does prayer work? And he's trying to talk, talk through the idea of God's sovereignty, that God is absolutely sovereign, but he invites us to pray and for God to work in events in our lives through his miraculous hand, and that prayer works, and that God, of course, reserves the sovereignty, and, and he has discretionary power over our prayers. But that there's, he says in this essay that we have two ways of making what we want to see happen, happen in this world. You want to produce something good in this world, there's two ways that you can do that. One is you can work. You can go make things happen. You can go do physical activities or pick up the phone or whatever it might be. You can do things and make things happen. The second way is you could pray. And he says, again, God has discretionary power, but when God unleashes those prayers in the world, those prayers are even more powerful than our work because they are beyond space and time, and it's God involved in, in our physical world, and it's an incredible, incredible thing, and God is incredibly powerful. I want to give you a very practical example of how this works. Our nation is facing a lot of tension right now. This is a stressful time in our country. There's, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic and all the question marks around that and the response to the pandemic and the actual transmission of the illness and all of this stuff. There's, there's that, and it's complicated. It somehow be, has become political, and it's just this weird mix of things, this complicated thing, pandemic over here. Then you've got all the political tensions and the division in our country all around politics and people not speaking to this person because they support this person or whatever, Right? And then you've got over here racial just dynamics in our country, just the tension and the deep wounds and hurt over here and all that. And each of these things are super complicated. And you start to drill down and you're like, I want to solve this. <laughs> if you had 20 minutes to solve one of those problems, could you do it? No. They're, they're complicated. There's, there's real hurt and pain and, and difficulty and differences of opinion on all of those things. If you had 20 minutes, you could not solve any of those problems, but you could pray to the God of the universe who is the solver of problems. And so in that case, your time is probably best, sent, best spent praying to God for those things. If you had a spare 20 minutes and you wanted to put towards praying for God to work in these complicated areas, you're probably not going to solve it in 20 minutes, but you can ask the God of the universe to solve it and to work in those things. So we need to see prayer as taking action, as doing something, as making a difference. We're calling this series Revolutionary Prayer. We're giving it that title because we believe that this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is a revolutionary way of praying. It is asking God to work in a dramatic way in human history and to work in our times and to work in our, our city and our nation and our world in a powerful way. And to drill this in a little bit more, I'm going to quote Al Mohler again from this book, The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down, or That Turns the World Upside Down. He says this, so what are we asking when we say, your kingdom come? We are asking for something wonderful and something dangerous at the same time. We are praying that history would be brought to a close. We are praying to see all the nations rejoice in the glory of God. 
We are praying to see Christ honored as king in every human heart. We are praying to see Satan bound, evil vanquished, death no more. We are praying to see the mercy of God demonstrated in the full justification and acquittal of sinners through the shed blood of the crucified and resurrected Christ. We are praying to see every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are praying to see a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we mean it, that is what we are praying for. I want to show you a picture that I saw this week that wrecked me. Let's put that up on the screen. I want to describe what's happening in this picture first and so this is the year 2017 in London, and there's a man at a, the lowest point of his life who wanted to end it all, and a group of bystanders, strangers, people he did not know, came to his rescue. And for two hours, until they could get a rescue vehicle located exactly where they needed it and to be able to pull him safely off of this bridge, strangers held him like this. They wrapped ropes around him. There's someone holding his belt. There's someone just embracing his legs. And this man holding him by the shoulders. And, and this picture just like, I had such a strong emotional reaction to this picture for a few reasons. I was thinking, one, just compassion for this guy. Just the lowest moment of his life here recorded, you know, on, on the internet. And just what, what a difficult thing he must have been going through to be in that position. And I just feel compassion for him. The second reason I think that I was so emotional about it was just the great, incredible, and beautiful blessing of people coming together for someone in desperate need. What a wonderful example that is of people just coming together to surround this man and to hold him until he could get help. What a beautiful thing. And, and then it's, it struck me like a metaphor, like what, isn't that what the church should be in some ways, that we, we come together, we embrace a broken and hurting world, and we try to make a difference. We try to bring hope and healing into those situations, and we meet practical needs, and then we look at prayer as action. We come to this broken world in need of help, and we help by praying kingdom come kind of prayers. We ask God to work dramatically on people's behalf. You can take that picture down now. So I'm going to ask you to do something very specific over the next six weeks. As we go through this series, every day I'm asking you to pray the Lord's Prayer. I'm asking you to at some point in your day, I, I do this every day in the morning. That's how I start my day every day is I pray the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to pray it not as empty words. We talked about how that's not how we pray. Words, I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it every day. And this could take a minute, this could take less than a minute. But I'm asking you to find time in your schedule to, to pray the Lord's Prayer every day in a focused way. And I'm going to ask you to do it kneeling, if you're physically able to do that, if you're mobile enough to be able to kneel. Um, I think you can pray however. You can stand and pray. You can sit and pray. But there's something about kneeling where your body understands that this is something important here. I'm praying now. It like sends signals to your mind, I think, and your body that you're, you're there to pray. This is a prayer time, and there's, there's something about that for me. It's a posture of humility. And 
Some of you know the Lord's Prayer, and this will be easy. You got it in your head already. You might have a different translation than the one we read. But regardless of what translation you use, I encourage you to pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it every day for the next six weeks. That's what I'm asking everybody to do. We've got cards that we've printed up that have the Lord's Prayer and the translation that we just read that you're welcome to take. There's several different ones out there, different styles, different designs that you can pick from once the service is done. But I encourage you to do this. Families might want to do this together where you take time every day to pray the Lord's Prayer. I've, I mentioned this, I think, but I, I've been doing this for like probably six months. Every day I start my day off with the Lord's Prayer. There's something profound for me about that, of praying, kingdom come, your will be done. It, it sets my mind where it needs to be set as I begin my day, and I think it's powerful. I think to pray these words that our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and through history have been praying specifically to God, I think is a very powerful thing. So I'm going to close our time in prayer, and then at the end of my prayer, I'm going to ask you all to look up again, and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together as we close. Let's pray now. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to interact with you, the creator of the universe, the creator of all that is, Lord, and and you invite us into a relationship with you through Jesus. What an amazing, amazing blessing. And then, Lord, you invite us to continue and grow in that relationship with you and to bring requests to you and to ask for your help. And, Lord, you, you are faithful and good, and you, are, you work through prayer. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray. Lord, we come to you like the disciples did and say, teach us to pray. Help us to be people of prayer. For those who are already praying consistently, Lord, as they, as they just bless them and that they would continue with that. And for those who this is going to be them starting a prayer habit, in the weeks ahead, Lord, I pray that you would bless them to do that as well. And Lord, meet with us as we seek you in this way. Work in powerful ways. Lord, our world is hurting. And Lord, we, you provide hope. You provide meaning. You provide joy. You provide peace. And you provide the truth for a world that desperately needs it. And so, Lord, may we come together and may we seek you over these next weeks as we seek you by praying the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you'd lift your eyes up here, I want to close with the Lord's Prayer together. So, ready, go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.